It's Thursday, October 8th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. With me for the second time this week. This hasn't happened in a long time. It's Jason Moser. Good to see you again. <laughs> well, it's good to see you too. Always loving, loving coming back for a repeat performance. Uh, we have a financial acquisition to get to. We're going to talk about Domino's latest quarter. We're going to start today with Big Blue, however. IBM is spinning off its IT infrastructure division into a new publicly traded company that that is the legacy part of IBM's business. Shares of IBM up about 7%, so that's helping to boost the Dow. And Arvind Krishna, who took over as CEO of IBM back in April, not really wasting any time setting the direction for IBM's future. No, no, it, it a little bit uh, a little bit Satya Nadella esque, if if you if you will, um, and, and I think that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it it was interesting to note the pre market enthusiasm for IBM wore off pretty quickly when the market opened. Um, but I mean, you know, whenever you can get the word spinoff and unlock value and cloud in the same release, you've got to feel pretty good about that, especially if you're IBM. Um, so I, I think this move is really this is this is the final move in them trying to turn a page for this company. And IBM is really geared toward trying to become identified as a cloud company, period. And, and so that's what this ultimately is. It's it spits off, you know, it spins off a little bit of a legacy part of the business. It gives them the chance to really focus on where they feel like the puck is is going, so to speak. Uh, does it make me want to own IBM more now? No, I don't. I don't think so. I mean, I'd probably, honestly, if I were a shareholder, I'd, I'd maybe look at it as a nice time to cut bait and, and you know, pull the old George Costanza and leave on a high note. Um, but I mean, this really does go all the way back to the 1990s when, when former management identified the need to, to pivot away from um, the reliance on hardware sales and really focus more on software and services. And so, what this will do, IBM, the new IBM, will focus on its its open a uh, hybrid cloud platform, which. Um, is you know that represents a, a massive massive opportunity. I mean that's a one trillion dollar opportunity. Which uh, you know, listen, I mean we talk about large and growing market opportunities all the time, and that's obviously a big one. Um, so you can't uh, you you can't neglect uh, considering that. Now, the the spinoff company, the yet to be named company. Eh, you know I, I don't know that I feel so strongly about that one. I mean that's focused more on. Managing and modernizing client-owned infrastructures. I mean, it's a big market opportunity, but it's just kind of that legacy IBM business that's never really been compelling to begin with. So uh, this really helps IBM continue in the direction that it was pursuing when it made that Red Hat acquisition uh, not too terribly long ago. Uh, continue to pursue that that uh, database management system opportunity where they they really do. We don't talk about it a lot, but they they together with Oracle and Microsoft and AWS and SAP hold an 85% share of that database uh, management system market. So, I mean, IBM is still relevant in some ways. It's just, I think they've been held back by a lot of the legacy business. And this hopefully uh, gives them a chance to shed that identity, uh, become a little bit of a different company, a little bit more of a modern company, and focus on really uh, where, where the future lies as opposed to, to what has gotten them to this point. Should we read anything into uh, the reports that this isn't going to actually close until the end of, and I think I have this right, until the end of next year, that this whole spinoff of this separately traded company is going to take more than 12 months to execute? Is, is that, I don't know, I, I just sort of was scratching my head at that and thought, well, wait a minute, is, is it that big and complicated that it's going to take that, like, is that reasonable or is that... 
one more sign of like, eh, this is something to stay away from. Um, I mean, I think it's reasonable. You certainly see in situations like this where it can be there can be a lot of uh, I's to dot and T's to cross, so to speak, in order to make this all come together. And, and, and oftentimes, you know, they'll they'll say, you know, closing by such and such of a date. But but you, you will see the deal close before that. So I, I wouldn't read too much into that uh, right now. But I mean, you never know. I mean, there's the possibility um, interested parties come in to try to to try to make a different type of an offer, propose a different type of a scenario. And, and management would be uh, derelict in their duty, so to speak, to not at least consider that stuff uh, if, if it were to come across their radar. For Morgan Stanley, 2020 is kind of turning into the year of acquisitions. Earlier this year, Morgan Stanley bought E-Trade. Today comes the news that the firm is buying Eaton Vance, an asset management firm, in a cash and stock deal worth $7 billion dollars. Uh, you host our industry-focused podcast on Mondays, talking banking and financials. You like this deal for Morgan Stanley? Um, yeah, I mean, generally speaking, it's it's not terribly surprising. I mean, consolidation in the space has been an ongoing theme, and we've certainly talked about it uh, on a number of, of industry-focused Monday shows. Um, so then, I think at this point, it's just a matter of is this a good business to acquire, and is Morgan Stan- Stanley paying a fair price? I mean, I I think it's decent enough. You're not really judging this on what Eaton Vance, the business, necessarily will do for Morgan Stanley is as much as it is about the assets and the scale that it brings in house, right? I mean, I think this is just another opportunity for Morgan Stanley to get bigger, uh, to bring some more assets under management. So you look at Eaton Vance holds $500 billion in assets under management. And the addition of this business, I mean, Morgan Stanley is going to oversee around $4.5 trillion in client assets and AUM um, across all of its its wealth management business. So, I mean, it, this is going to you know continue to add uh, to Morgan Stanley's scale. And that's ultimately what they're looking to do. I mean, given that you know these these banks are so reliant right now on that investment banking revenue. I mean, it's so valuable in times like these when when they continue to grapple with this low interest rate environment. That doesn't look like it's going to be going anywhere anytime soon. So I, I mean. You know, the consolidation is not a surprise. I think uh, really this boils down to what CEO James Gorman said uh, in, a, in an interview where he, he basically said, hey, listen, this was sort of obvious. You know, if we didn't do this deal, someone else was going to do it. And so I, I think they, they really saw this as an opportunity they didn't want to sleep on. And hey, if you're an Eaton Vance shareholder, uh, congratulations! Uh, <laughs> Indeed, fifty percent on this news. So. I mean, you got to feel really good about that. And, and I mean, the other neat thing, Eaton Vance had a pretty uh, respectable ESG wing of the business too, and we definitely know that is that is a primary point of focus for a lot of firms and a lot of money managers out there today. This is going to give Morgan Stanley, uh, you know, notable. Presence in in that in that space, and I think that uh, generally speaking, I mean, again, that that is that seems to be a primary point of focus for for a lot of firms and managers these days. Um, so sometimes it's just it's just easier to buy it than to build it. Well, and and Morgan Stanley just strikes me as one of those firms that um, you know I know we uh, among others uh, sort of lump Morgan Stanley in with. Citigroup, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, Goldman Sachs, all, you know, sort of the, the traditional big Wall Street banks. I feel like Morgan Stanley, in a weird way, sort of flies under the radar. Like, you never really hear a whole lot about, you know, problems. Uh, James Gorman's been the CEO for a decade, but not really the same sort of high profile as a Jamie Dimon. 
Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, it's 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 a it, that's probably a luxury. I think they can enjoy actually when you when you get to kind of fly under the radar like that. You can do things. And you don't have to necessarily worry about the same level of scrutiny. And um, yeah, that has its puts and its takes. I mean, I think um, oftentimes, uh, yeah, you're right. Morgan Stanley is is one of those. I don't want to say a second tier bank, but it's one we mention. As, as kind of an also ran, right? We talk about J.P. Morgan, or we talk about Goldman Sachs, or even Bank of America, and then and then you kind of throw Morgan Stanley in that second conversation that we have, and, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it gives this company a chance to, to kind of do their own thing with a little bit less scrutiny, and and so uh, you know, I, I think that's 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 an okay thing. And, and again, I think this is a very reasonable deal. They're going to use some cash on the balance sheet. They're going to issue some shares. Uh, that that's that's nothing nothing wrong with doing that. And, and when you look over long stretches of time. I mean, Morgan Stanley's been it's been a good investment. It's been a good stock to hold for for investors, depending on on, on the time you bought in, of course. But um, I think this this certainly adds to adds to the to the bull case if you're a bull on this company. Shares of Domino's Pizza down more than seven percent this morning. Third quarter revenue came in higher than expected. Same store sales looked really good, but the bottom line got hit because Domino's is dealing with higher costs, including and I would add, especially cheese, like the cost of cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's an input cost. Yes, it is. It's a big input cost, right? It's like Starbucks and milk. You know, it's one of those conversations when you talk about Starbucks, and the ninety-nine point nine percent of the conversations focus on the coffee input cost, and you, you never really think about the milk. And then you look at the menu, and you realize, holy cow, the role that milk plays in Starbucks' business model is significant. Cheese, I mean, you know, one, one of the more obvious costs, obviously, obviously for a company like Domino's. Um, I, you know, listen, we can focus on on the, the business. There's there's a lot of focus on, on this business during the pandemic. And, and I think, to me, you know, it's one of the quintessential stay-at-home stocks. But I, this was a good business before the pandemic, and it's going to be a good business after the pandemic, too. Um, I think really for for investors, I mean, it's really all about the targets that management has set out and the growth that they see to come. And so, if you can take that longer outlook, right? If you can look at this business and think about what it may look like by 2025, then it starts to make a little bit more sense. I mean, criticize the food all you want, but let's also give management credit for a number of years back. You know, taking a step back and saying, you know what, we're having some problems here, and apparently it's because our food isn't really very good. So hey, let's revamp the menu and make some better food, and maybe that'll help because that's what they do, right? They sell food. Um, it, it, it was a good quarter, though. I mean, they, they outperformed expectations on sales nicely. Uh, earnings missed for a number of different reasons. You mentioned clearly, uh, food food costs do play into a business like this, particularly when you see supply chains get crimped, and we have seen that across all different types of markets. Uh, I. I I think it's also worth noting, though, that they are seeing higher costs in wages for frontline workers, enhanced sick pay. Those are good things. You want to see that if you're a long-term holder of this business, because they're, it shows they're in touch with the notion that shareholders aren't the only stakeholders, right? I mean, we are going to see more and more companies focus on this all-encompassing stakeholder idea. It's not about just shareholders, and and, and I agree with that. That's the way it should be. Um, but if you can take the longer-term view, when you when you look at where Domino's is today, which is somewhere just over seventeen thousand stores, they're targeting twenty-five thousand stores and twenty-five billion dollars in global retail sales by twenty twenty-five. And and so when you look at that versus where they are today. 
I mean, it's it's hard not to imagine this this being a a good investment, albeit one where you may have to exercise some patience. But they do a wonderful job of leveraging that physical store base. Uh, the delivery makes up fifty five percent of transactions and sixty seven percent of sales. Carry out actually makes up forty five percent of transactions. I don't think a lot of people realize that, but it is a big part of the business, and it just shows that they do a very good job of leveraging that physical store base. And in forty five forty five percent of transactions, but thirty three percent of sales. So, so they are not just a delivery company. Um, I saw, saw a comment on Twitter earlier today asking, you know, isn't it fair to say that now with, with delivery companies that more restaurants are open for business and, and, and it's not just about pizza delivery anymore. There's all sorts of different options and choices out there. And I totally agree with that. But by the same token, let's also remember that Domino's is not just pizza anymore, right? They have really expanded their menu to a number of different offerings to scratch a lot of different itches, so to speak. And, and they own that delivery process from start to finish. There's a lot to be said for that. And, and, and as someone, we get Domino's from time to time in this this house. It's just always a seamless experience. And hey, it's not the best pizza in the world. I'm not saying it is, but you know what? It's good pizza. And Chris, at the end of the day, pizza is pizza. Am I right? You're absolutely right <laughs> about that. Um, and, and you know, not to get uh, all doom and gloom about this, but the fact of the matter is, this is going to be a year where a lot of local restaurants go out of business. Yeah. Um, we've we've had the chance to talk to, uh, with David Henkis from Technomic a couple of times on Motley Fool Money, uh, once very early in the pandemic, uh, then later over the summer. Uh, that's as good an industry analyst as you're going to find when it comes to food and beverage. And, you know, the, the numbers are pretty stark in terms of um, what they are seeing across America in terms of, again, local Restaurants going out of business. So, um, you know, not that uh, Domino's is cheering for the pandemic and cheering for um, competition to go out of business. Um, but the fact of the matter is, they've got a little bit less competition today than they had, say, six months ago. Um, I think that, or I have to believe, at least part of what we're seeing today with the stock is the fact that. This is a company that's um, done so well for so long, and the stock has as well. That you know, the fact that it wasn't uh, a, just a grand slam quarter means some people are saying, "Well, I've made some money on this. I'm going to pair back." You know, that's, it's even with the drop today. This is a stock that's still up sixty percent in the last twelve months. Yeah, yeah. I mean, sixty percent over the last twelve months, and I mean something. Something just absurd over the last ten years, like twenty five hundred plus percent, or something like that over the last twenty of the last ten years. I mean, it's just it's a business that has done so well, and I, I think it's 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 something where people maybe think it's okay. You think about Domino's Pizza; it's just delivery pizza. Maybe it's not the best pizza in the world. So then people make that leap to well, it can't really be that great of an investment, then can it? But then you start looking closer, and you see what they've done, not only with their menu, but obviously what they do with their store base, leveraging that that asset there, um, continuing to grow that store base, its international presence. Um, it, it, we've, we've definitely seen, like you mentioned, the, the pandemic 
has, while it's been a, a brutal time for a lot of, of folks, it has also been a time for a number of businesses to step up and really show their mettle. And, and, and that all of the investments that they've been making over the past several years are really paying off. And Domino's is no exception there. I think that'll continue. Um, it, it, it's, it's always been a stock that has traded a little bit of a, a premium valuation because it just continues to, to bring the goods. I mean, when you look at this company's record for same-store sales, I, I mean, it's just, it, it's, it's just exceptional. And, and I, I don't think that is really going to stop anytime soon, uh, particularly if they continue to focus on the food, expanding the menu. They've already got a pretty darn good delivery model down, and it's it's a really nice franchise model, which enables it to grow very quickly. So, uh, I, I, yeah, I just I don't see many reasons to be down on this business, and I, I certainly would not look at today's selling of the stock as an indicator of a business that is. Uh, facing tougher times to come. I mean, they're going to come out of this situation with m- greater market share than when they went in. Thank you, by the way, for reminding me, as you did earlier today, that October is National Pizza Month. <laughs> hey, man, we got Pizza Month. We've got Oktoberfest. I mean, this is just a great time to be alive. I know we're we're early in the month, but I, I feel like now, and I haven't had any pizza this month, I feel like I need to remedy that. So, I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure that out over the next couple of weeks. I'd advise it. And I mean, just, you know, just going to throw this out there, Chris. I, I, I pay attention to this stuff. I mean, we had pizza for dinner on October 1st. And, and, and it was from Domino's, believe it or not. So, so just, just throwing that out there. Catch up, man. Catch up. Jason Moser, always good talking to you. Thanks for yes, being here. Thank you. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Monday. Monday.